Hello, this is Phil. I've got the dubious honour of introducing this special episode, which is actually the best of Talking Cod Season 1, aka Hooked on Brain Thoughts. Enjoy. no idea what you were thinking when you said let's do a podcast can i ask you what were no. you thinking <laughs> me neither come on what, what, were you, what were you thinking you must have been thinking along the same lines as me because when i suggested it to you the, the two of you were like yeah okay that could be pretty cool uh yeah the, i guess i guess it on a daily on a daily or weekly basis i have quite a lot of conversations with a lot of people and they can go from one extreme to another and which is awesome i mean it's i mean i love it uh, i love listening to what people have to say where they are what they're currently experiencing where they want to go whether that's a personal perspective or or it's business whatever that is and but but i mean the the, the three of us have probably known each other for quite a long time now and Whenever we had, even if we were getting onto a conversation, it was a work-related conversation, there was always 20 or 30 minutes where we would just literally what I used to term called talk cod, which was pretty much this and that and lots of things in between. And in those conversations, I'd always think, you know what, there's some pretty good stuff here. Even if we just thought it was good for us, you know, from that perspective. I thought, wouldn't it be good if we if we if we if we were recording this or we did something with it, even if it was just from our own perspective for for ourselves? And then, if we did launch it, and one or two people listen to it, pretty cool. The other thing is that, like, unless unless you record it at our age, you forget exactly what you've said by the like, <laughs> twenty minutes afterwards. This reminds me of. Do you remember that time we were in the village in in Berry, the village hotel in Berry, David? We, we probably had like loads yeah, of lunches in there times. and drank loads of coffee. We have. And there was one time, there was this one time when you said to us, that felt like an effing podcast. That was gold. That We should have just been recording mm-hmm. that. And yeah, that, yeah. I think that's the point when I thought, you know what, this could, this might actually work. And it, it is one of those, you may, oh, how's your day been? Oh, it's been really good. What did you do? I had a really good chat. <laughs> and, that, and that just feels yeah. really good. At our age, you, you really do hit a point where you really appreciate the deep connections you've got with people. And, you you, you know, David and I have a different trajectory, really, to you, Andy. But, you know, we've built our lives in the sort of creative and digital and media world, which is so, I mean, fundamentally, it's all about building networks and, you know, fi- finding like minds and what have you. You know, so I think we're, we're, we're quite fortunate in that respect. But you've still got this sort of. I think there's there's there's, there's a spectrum of connection, isn't there? There's, there's those that you respect and hold close, and then there's the, the people mm-hmm. that you know there's mutual respect for. You don't see that often, or what have you. And then there's all these numpties on LinkedIn that keep sending us messages. The spectrum of connection. So is that is that a t-shirt for a band? That is that you know, is, that's could have been your band that felt. <laughs> Uh, it could have been that sounds more like a 70s prog rock outfit yeah or some sort of dating app what's wrong with doing nothing 
We're used to as kids. We can't walk, can we? I mean, we, we are programmed mm. not to do nothing. Don't you feel yeah. like you're being made to feel guilty totally. when you're doing nothing? Because everything's yeah. now about productivity, you know, mm-hmm. maximising your time. It's about you've got to be doing this, you've got to be doing that. You can't just be, you know. And, you know, I heard something recently that we're human beings and that's what we should do. We should just be human yeah. rather than human doings because we're always doing stuff. And that's why there's so many problems with mental health at the moment and has been for the last several years, particularly since technology. And I'm not going to jump on that bandwagon. Not much anyway. Um, but, mm. yeah, we can't. We can't yeah. do nothing or be random anymore. It seems like everything has to be processed. It has to be cleverly written out for us. You know, we, we need project managers to tell mm. us what to do and when to do it. And we, we need to maximise every minute of every day to feel as though we're being validated in any way at all. Look at that. A few minutes in, no. I've already gone deep. I, I apologise. <laughs> but it's so true. You know, it's like, you know, you, 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 you get conditioned to... Um, work solidly without thinking that you, you you just you know there's a invisible clock somewhere that just I mean I I work freelance and it, it's taken me a long time to kind of shake mm. off that feeling that every minute needs to count um, but you know I'm now mm. in a place where I go you know what it, if I if I'm if I if I need to go out for a walk or a run and it's still working hours, that's all right. Or if I need to just play the guitar while I'm waiting for someone to come back to me about an email or something like that. You know, I think it's very hard to disassociate time spent in the day sat in front of a computer with Mm. um, just being solid at work. And I think think you're right, Andy. I think that's sort of a, you know, it's a bit troublesome because it, it, it... it creates a state where you're either working or you're at home. Yeah, it is, yeah. A, it is a mental state. I am going to try that out of office message. Apologies, I didn't come back to you. I can't come back to you sooner. I'm pretending to be Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> I'm not Jimi Hendrix. I'm just strumming away there, you know. But, you know, but it, just having five minutes just to go, you know what, I'm, I'm switching off. Just temporarily, I'm just switching off yeah. for a minute. Not that I feel like I need it these days, but it's just it. nice. You know, just just to do, yeah, random, just to do nothing, just to do something that's random, that isn't, you know, doesn't have a deadline and doesn't have a kind of, you know, you know, a requirement. I think, I think there also, there'll always be stuff mm. to do, always. There'll never not be mm. stuff to do. Oh, yeah. But you don't have to do it all at once, you know. And if something in a day doesn't get done, Provided it's not critical on, on deadline, yeah. so what? You know, mm-hmm. I can finish at four or five o'clock. I'm, that's when I'm done. And now I'm going to go and do my other part of my life, which is yeah. not work-related. And I'm yeah. going to afford myself time to do that. And I'd be more worried if there wasn't stuff to do. Mm. You know, the, the fact yeah. that there's a big list, there's, there's things there to commit, whether it's at home or, or at work, whatever that is, that's yeah. great. And that's just that's just life. But I think it's realising that. And understanding that, all oh, right, I get it, I get it, mm. and it's okay to have some of that time out. And it goes back to what you said before, Phil. It was so we are conditioned, mm. we're condi- and we're conditioned mm. to a system, which from an early age, we're told this is what you do, this is what the, where you do it, and this is when you do it. 
you go to school, you, you start primary school, then you go from primary school into higher education. And from that, well, you might as well go to college because that's what you really need to do yeah. before you get a job. And when you get a job, then you've got to buy a house. And when you bought a house, you've got to start a family. And once you've done this, you've got to do this. And it's a never-ending cycle of just doing what we're told to do that keeps us in that system, which is constantly working, constantly yeah. earning money, constantly spending money, constantly working, constantly, and you're constantly in it. And I think it goes back to that, I guess why we're here, it's that mm. middle age thing, because, because maybe we're at that age where we're going, I've been there, I've done that, I've learned some of this, and now I'm thinking, that ain't for me. Because I'm starting to look at my own morality to a certain extent and think, I'm 45, how many years have I got left? And what do Is I want to do? you are? <laughs> <laughs> oh, bring you back and, out of that one. Yeah. What, I'm going to switch this camera off. And what do I, what do I want to yeah. do with the rest of my life? You know, And, and I think a big thing for me was... Probably my dad, you know, my dad, my dad worked and grafted all his life. And I'm talking grafted uh, five, six days mm. a week shift work. And at the point he came to retirement, he became ill. And my dad's got uh, vascular dementia and he's, he's not mm. good. He's not good at all. And I'm quite lucky that he's, he's still here, if I'm honest with you. Mm. But my dad worked all his life to afford himself to retire and have some money to do what he wanted to do. And at that point now, that money's being used to look after himself. Mm. And I guess that particular thing for me, age and everything that sat with me going, what am I doing and why am I doing it? You know, because it's obviously very personal to me. Mm. And mm. that's probably been a big trigger for me. Yeah. What is your favorite nickname you've had? Me? Yeah, you know, one. You... I, I wanted that one to stick. <laughs> <laughs> the one that stuck, was uh, Big Ed. <laughs> Big, Why? Big Ed. Big Ed. Uh, because I've got a big head, apparently. Not from a, not from a, not as in literally big head, as in being big headed. As in people thought I had a big head, but I, I don't think I've got a big head. I think it's quite proportional to the rest of my body. So what, do, you, they, what do they know? When you lean forward, it looks quite big, but... There you well, go. It, well, it will do, yeah. yeah. But, so Big Ed. Yeah. Big Ed was probably the one that, that, that stuck over the yeah. years. So for, for completely unrelated, mine was Birchy Balls. Birchy so Balls? Go, go figure. I'm not going to ask. <laughs> I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> I've no idea why Balls was appended to the end of my name. Oh, I get it, get it, because that's your surname. Birch and all, Birchy ah, Balls. I get it. Did I you suppose. like that one? Was that no. the nickname you wanted? Well, it's better yeah. than called Philip. But that's your name. So we've got we've got Big Ed Birchy Balls, and then what 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 about yourself, Hand? I've I've had all sorts, but I told I told my daughter yesterday I picked her up from getting a COVID test because she's back in college today. Probably more detail than you needed there, but we're um, <laughs> on the radio on the way back. You'll love this one, Phil. Teenage Kicks was on. Oh, brilliant! Right, and I was I was telling a story about how John Peel like burst into tears on the radio, saying, "You know, it's, it's the best thing he's ever heard in his life," and played it repeatedly. Um, so he goes, she says, "Dad, why are you telling me this?" Because my nickname at school was Fergal, <laughs> as in Sharky, as in Fergal Sharky. Because why? why? Well, you, you will not believe this. Remember Fergal <laughs> Sharky's hair in the eighties? No, not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. I'm telling you now. I'm telling you now. Really? I'm 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 bold by choice. 
hair was literally, it was one of those one-eye things, you know, the soft cell kind of look. Yeah. Fergal, even longer. Yeah. I, I, was, yeah. I was the Gabrielle of Fit and Elton. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I only looked at one-eye for about six years. I was like, I was literally practically blind in my right eye because my, my, my centre parting or side parting, I think, just went over one eye. So Fergal, it's not, it's not a favourite nickname, I'll be honest with you. I wanted to be, I wanted to be Andreas Mentorus. But um, nobody will well, call it me. After some sort of Greek god. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've hit the nail on the head there, yeah. So we've got so Big Ed Birchibalds and Fergal. Now, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Fergal. You're, you're, you're an ultra, ultra person, aren't you? Stop it. Don't give me your labels. <laughs> um, yeah, I did, I, did a, I did an ultra um, last year. He says... As if it's nothing. Well, it's it's not. It, ultra runners will probably call this not even a proper ultra. It was fifty k, so right. you know it's not even a proper ultra. That you know, <laughs> and so you've done fifty miles or hundred miles. You're not really an ultra runner, but yeah, that was the plan, and that was you know that was that was a that was a tricky one. I must admit, not so much the distance or the training. It was the we've had a year of lockdown, mm. really difficult. Yeah. To, you know, you said more be motivated. Mm. So hard to be motivated, but. What was the trigger? So yeah, so what made you? So how old are you now, Andy? You, you similar age to me? Fifty years old. Right. So you're fifty. So you're fifty, and getting back into training for me, I mean, yeah, I was probably a couple of stone overweight, and I used to be fit as a fiddle, mm. and I, yeah, I might have wanted to get that feeling back, but getting back into training for me was just help sort my head out. Mm. I thought, do you know what? Yeah. I really got to get me get my shit together here. Mm. And that's what the trigger was for me to get yeah. back into training. But I remember sitting down with you, having a, having a brew with you, and, and, and we were chatting in general, and you said, I've decided I want to do this and this. And one of them, you said, was, I want to be an athlete. And I, I remember sitting there going, what, 50? Mm. Seriously? Because mm. I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, that's a proper man on the moon moment and then I remember thinking you know what why not what's stopping you mm. and to be fair to you, you you're doing it you know you, you've made you've gone I'm gonna do it and you're doing it what made you want to do that so from I'm going I, I decided I got you know I'm 45 well I was 43 at the time I want to be the fittest I can be by the mm. time I'm 50 and I'm probably done that now where I'm where I'm at where I start mm. to plateau and decide what's next but yeah. What made you go, all right, I'm going to become an athlete? Because that, I didn't look at that because I'd be thinking that's never going to happen. Yeah, I, I think I've said this before about labels. I'm not keen on labels, you know, and really careful about how you label yourself. And, that, and being an athlete was something which I thought, can, can, I, can I own that label? Because it, it is about when, you know, it's that, it's that lifestyle thing. It's that you wake up in the morning and you're like, what's life all about, you know? And I love the lifestyle of an athlete. They're so disciplined, you know. They look out. It's it's men, It's not mental health. It's mental fitness. You know. This is this mm. is where, yeah. you know, mental health and fitness cross each other. So you know, there there, there, are, there are four pillars of mental fitness, which emotional, social, financial, and physical. And I think I've sorted the emotional, social, and financial out now, but I hadn't sorted the physical out. So what what where it started was. I kind of by accident did a bit of public speaking at a men's mental health event. It was a suicide prevention night because I was going through a really difficult time. And, you know, I've spoken about this openly before. 
Um, and one of the guys, the founder, Lou Campbell, who is a brilliant guy, a great speaker, he's, you know, he's, you know, so much to be said about him, ex-international rugby player, lost his brother-in-law to suicide, set up this group called Andy's Man Club. Um, and when I was, one of my lowest points, I went to Andy's Man Club just to see what it was all about. Um, and just fell in love with it. You know, we were just a bunch of guys talking about stuff, you know, getting stuff out of the head and actually realising that, you know, you're not alone to, to feel like this. So um, we went to the Shea, Halifax, and uh, as I walked in, Luke went, you'll talk, won't you, Andy? And if you see Luke, his photograph I'll show you sometime, he is probably four times my mass. He is enormous. So somebody like that puts his arms on your shoulder and goes, you'll talk, won't you, Andy? You kind of, you're going to do it. And I kind of always wanted to be a public speaker. I wanted to do public speaking and I'd, you know, when forced into it, I'll do it. And that was an opportunity to be forced into it. So I'm getting to the point now, Dave. Good question. Um, so a bit of Dutch courage, a couple of, couple of pints of Stella as you do right and then goes on the stage with a few other guys it wasn't just me doing public speaking there's a few of us it was it, the question was why did you go to Andy's man club and you and there were there were you know there's a room full of guys who were a lot of them were rugby players there were families there who've lost people to suicide um and there was my wife and daughter as well and a few of my friends there and I'd not spoken publicly about it at all so um Microphone came to me, no preparation, and I just it all came out. Told him about the fact that I wanted to end my life once because you know I'm completely out of control and was so upset. So um, loads of people started crying, including myself with the microphones. It was a proper poignant moment. So this was a proper trigger moment. A round of applause, you know, people hugging and stuff like that. And I thought, well, there you go. I've actually made rugby players cry rather than the other way around because they used to make me cry at school because they used yeah. to beat me up. Um, <laughs> So um, feeling really proud of myself, a friend of mine, Kelly, said, would you um, would you like to do some charity work for Andy's Man Club, i.e. run the Milltown Half Marathon? So I, I've had a few bottles of Stella by now, and I'm, yeah, I'll do anything for you guys. Literally do anything for you. So the, the trigger point was getting drunk, I think. <laughs> um, there was lots of, lots of things led to that point, but it was getting drunk and going, yeah, I'll do anything for you. And then she tweeted me in the morning and said, do you remember what you've signed up for? I'm like, oh shit, what, what, half marathon? I, I don't even run, I can't even run to the car. You're joking. What am I doing? And I was quite chunky at that time, I must admit. You know, I was probably three and a half, maybe four stone heavier back then. And that was about four years ago. Um, so it's been, since then, it's been an evolution. So I started running to raise awareness for a mental health charity. Um, and then because I got into it so much and really enjoyed it, I felt the benefits myself. It's, it's just become a huge part of my life now. It feels like the most natural thing to do. Yeah. When we're doing things that are unnatural now all day long, you know, we sit down all the time. We're not even built for sitting down, but we're built for running. You know, we, we, are, the, we are the top of the food chain for a particular reason. Now, I don't eat meat, so I don't, if there's any vegans, vegetarians on the listening, please don't fall out with me. But we're at the top of the food chain for a reason. We are naturally gifted at running and we can run better than any other creature out there. And when I'm running, as you were saying, you know, when you're pedalling or running up those hills, particularly, you know, northern England, the Pennines, it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. And I'll, I'll argue that point with anyone. It's, it's fantastic. So I've then gone from doing it for other people for doing it for me. So it's, it's kind of a selfish thing. So when I'm feeling good, then I'm on top form. I've got this really vivid memory of when um, I think Happy Mondays and 
the Inspiral Carpets mm. and the Stone Roses were all on that one episode of Top of the Pops. And, and up until that oh, point, yeah. it had been this underground thing that you just sort of noticed was happening in town or you felt part of. And then all of a sudden it went mainstream. And just seeing Sean and Bez on Top of the Pops, I just thought, well, if they fucking can, you know, make it, anyone can. You know, and I think that, I think, you know, laughing aside that I actually do reflect on that moment quite a lot because it did give me that sort of inner drive to think, sod it, you know, if you want to do something, it's yours for the taking. It's, mm. it's been like that for yeah. me kind of ever since. Um, I love that. I mean, what a period of time as well. I, mem- I remember watching that on Top of the Pops and just being just blown away with it a mate of mine i worked at an insurance broker so i didn't have quite as glamorous introduction <laughs> into um working life as you did phil mixmaster dmc new york dj <laughs> um we worked at insurance i met my mate martin went yeah couple order this and it was a stone roses and i'm i'm my even now I can just remember going, what the, mm-hmm. I've never heard anything as good as this in my life. Is this what music's all about? And prior to that, I was always like influenced by family, if you like, you know, so yeah. my dad like used to like Chubby Checker mm-hmm. and Fats Domino <laughs> and Elvis. And then our kid was into rock and roll. So anything in the sixties was horrible, but the fifties rock and roll was brilliant. Yeah. And then suddenly I've kind of started to find my own thing. Like, DJs like in the mid eighties, you know, so, you know, your, your Grandmaster Melly Mel, Grandmaster Flash Furious, Fives, that was like breakdance music, electro music, and then these these artists, if you like, who just created music out of absolutely nothing without any instruments, yeah. and then suddenly to go into this Storm Roses, Happy Mondays, in Spiral Carpets, you know, it's just these are just periods of your life where you just you can remember vividly mm. where you where I listened to that first tape. You know, it was it was on C ninety, obviously. Yep. Then I went out and bought the vinyl, as you do. I can remember putting the needle on the vinyl and that anticipation or that little rumble and, yeah. a, and a bit of a crackle, and then suddenly guitar comes in, and it was even now hair sticking up on the back of my neck. Yeah, what a feeling! What I mean? What what do you remember, either of you? What do you remember about you know those most memorable moments emotionally you know what did you listen to and what still spikes your enthusiasm i think if you if you look at how old we are as well and that time so in those 80s i was probably either leaving high school left high school or leaving high school manchester was the center of the universe when it came Mm -hmm. to when it came to music it was just i mean what an incredible place and Mm -hmm. I'll never ever forget being at school and prob- high school and probably the four, might have been the fourth or fifth year. And one of the lads stopped me in the corridor outside the art rooms and gave me a tape. And, I, and it was a, and it was a red bass tape. And on one side it had the Stone Roses and the other side it had uh, a hardcore up raw mix. <laughs> and the rest is sort of like history for me because it just everything started then as well and it's a time in your life when you're getting into stuff you you've got some freedom you can experience things you know you're nipping into town you're trying to get in the hacienda before you should be getting in the hacienda and things like that and and just the just the variety of the music that was there happy mondays and then the rave culture and everything it felt free 
felt super, super mm. free to do stuff, you know? Yeah. And I think I think you're right there when, you, when you're talking about how you can associate certain times of your life with music and a particular feeling. And I still get that now. Mm. I was brought up in a household. I was brought up on uh, Meatloaf uh, and Abba. And even now, if we're out and about and some Abba comes on, I'm, I'm up, I'm up. Seriously, what a dad what dance! A oh my goodness me, I love it. I love it. I love a bit. I love a bit of Abba. But if I have my go on, so when when do you when do you lose your shit? You know what do you hear when you go? That's me. Gone I like now. progressive trance, mate. I'm still into my tunes. <laughs> oh, right, I didn't. I don't remember that one from Betty and Bjorn. You know, progressive trance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. I do. I still. I, I still love it. I still absolutely love it. And we'll still try and, if we can, maybe not as frequent, but every couple of months or three months, we'll still try and set, we'll stream, still try and do a decent club like club night, uh, which is awesome. The, the problem I have though is the fallout the day after or the week after. I'm like, oh, it's not good. It's not good at <laughs> all. But uh, if we're in a club, for example, if we went to see John Double O Fleming, then you won't see me all night. I'd just be, I'd just lose myself in it. A few cans of red stripe and off. Where's Dave? He'll be all right. He'll be down there in the mixer somewhere. He'll be on his own, you know. And people tend to leave me alone. I don't <laughs> tend to get mithered for service. <laughs> you know what I mean? This bald-headed beardy bloke, like, fucking shapes. I think people are just like, yeah, don't go near him. Don't go anywhere near him. Just, just leave him well alone. So, yeah, yeah, that's the type of stuff I love. But if we were doing some ABBA came on, boys, I'm in. Book me in for some of that ABBA. <laughs> The Drugs Don't Work by The Verve. I listened to that. I'd heard it hundreds of times before because it's just class. Mm. It's just quality in, in many different ways. The first time I heard it after my mum had died, I was heartbroken. I'm telling you, I was inconsolable. Mm. I could not even muster words because I thought, he's written this for my dad. Mm. So there are sometimes you listen to songs, you've heard them hundreds of times, then you listen to them again for another time, you go, oh, it means everything else now. It, it's completely different, that song. You know, Cheer Up Sleepy Jean, The Monkeys, my mum was called Jean. Again, heartbroken. So there are times when, you know, traumatic periods of our lives, it's just so difficult to put, to listen to music. And I was talking to my mother-in-law because my father-in-law died probably about 18 months ago. And I said, why don't you put your radio on? She goes, I can't listen to the radio anymore. So why not? Because music reminds me of Ken. It's just too painful. So, and I think music has that power to yeah, lift your spirits, but I think it's also got, got that ability to take you back to painful places as well. And I'm just wondering, do, have you guys got any particular tunes that actually hurt you? I've got, uh, I totally agree. But in doing that, I sometimes find it quite therapeutic as well. Now that might sound quite strange, that, but my my head was a bit thirty nine to forty one. Said this before, my head was a bit battered, and in that period of time, for some bizarre reason, I listened to a lot of Jose Gonzalez of all people, a lot of his stuff, uh, and I think he did quite a lot of the soundtrack to the Secret Life of uh, Walter Mitty, and there's a couple of tracks on that that when I listen to it, without a word, it just transports me right back mm. to that, I get that pit of that, that feeling in my stomach, you know. 
But mm. I find it quite therapeutic. When it comes on, I find it quite quite therapeutic. Therapeutic, like I'm, I don't know, like I'm not afraid to run away from At that time in my life, I wanted to run away from it. But now I'm mm. not afraid to run, run away from it. And the fact that I can listen to it sort of it's quite therapeutic for me and mm. i would say yeah that is a lot more there's emotion attached to the good stuff as well when when you're completely buzzing mm. in but the emotion that's attached to something a time in your life that can be quite low or dark yeah that's the, the, the unbelievable unbelievable mm. because that piece of music does bring it sums everything up. You could, I couldn't verbalize. If someone said, "Tell me how you're feeling," but I couldn't verbalize it. But I could say, I could listen to that, and that will tell that story for me, definitely. Mm. And I think, I think even more so when, when you think about people that have passed away, and I got to know a, one of the lads at Footy, I got to know him really, really well. And he was basically the uh, the, the, the father of one of Joshua's mates, uh, younger than me, and, and he passed away. And we got invited to the funeral and all the football team got invited to the funeral too. And I was, we were sat together as a family and, and Josh got on really well with him, really well with him, absolutely sound bloke. And they played a piece of music, which was like a relevant piece of music uh, from like, like up-to-date piece of music. And it was one of Jay's fam- favourite tunes. And his shed dust went. His mm. shed dust went. And I know for a fact that every time that comes on now, I know he'll, he'll, he'll remember him or it'll mm. bring him back to them mm. at a particular yeah. time. So I think you're right. I think it's quite scary how... It sounds. I guess it's a soundtrack to your life, isn't it? Many, 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 many mm. pieces of you know tunes that associate events and time in your life and the emotions that are attached to it, and that is super powerful. That. What are your most recommended books to your mentees, to people who look up to you? I've thrown that one at you. Haven't I? Right. I guess <laughs> the ones that Police Academy Four, the novel. <laughs> it was in in every possible way. It was better than the film. <laughs> no, yeah, maybe, maybe. The ones for me are, are books that I've read at a period that, that have helped me. Mm. Uh, Chimp Paradox literally mm. blew my mind. Oh Helped me sort yeah. my head out and blew my mind, but it probably took me around a year to read because I was my head wasn't probably in the best state to be reading it, but it it was helping me understand why that my my head was the way it was, and going back through it. So mm. Chin Paradox was was uh, was fantastic. The subtle art of not Great giving choice. a shit or giving a fuck. I can't remember what the title is. Yeah, but really, yeah, not giving really enjoyed head, yeah. that. Brilliant. Really enjoyed that, and. Uh, I think it was one of the the minimalists. Uh, so the sort of the, oh yeah, the three books sort of complemented each other, and I possibly read them in the wrong order. I should have probably read Chimp Paradox, then the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Shit, then maybe the minimalist aspects of it. But they were all books that were uh, applicable to me at a time when I was trying to work stuff out. Uh, mm. I should probably go back and read them again, 
but the fact that I don't yeah. afford my time to read other things probably means I'll never go back and read them again. But I, I did, I did say, I did take a, a lot from that, and I also, uh, do you know Hyatt Deming, Denim and the Do Lectures? Yes. So the Do Lectures, yeah. the Do Lectures. If you if you Google it, they've got the Do Book Co. off the back of that, and they create these small really well-crafted, well-edited books. And you could probably read them within an hour or two if you sat down and you could crash through them. But they're really good, really good. And and the, the spectrum can be anything from how to write a good newsletter for marketing through to something about the mind or do one thing well or baking bread, whatever that is. They've got a phenomenal range. Oh right, yeah, I did an event. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. event was it? It was. Um, it was, was it an epic, epic event? Man. Was it epic? Boom, it was boom, an epic boom. event. Yeah, run by epic events. And, and you know what? It was. Right. It was. You know, I'm not going to do a shout out because they're not sponsoring the show or anything like that. But it was really well organised. Uh, obviously, coupled with the fact that the weather was pretty decent, there were. It was a non-spectator half Ironman distance event up in up right. in the Lake District. So it was a uh, epic man. Windermere, so um, 1.9k open water swim, 90k bike ride, and then a half marathon run. Wow. But it wasn't easy. I mean, I don't think that distance yeah. is easy for anyone um, as such. But um, yeah, the, the the lake swim was brilliant. Everybody's moaning about it. I tell you what, I, I usually start off a show and I start alienating everybody around me, like my family. Everybody lives in Oldham. My mates who are builders. Uh, cyclists, now triathletes. Triathletes are the miserable set, of, most miserable set of people I know. Honestly, <laughs> you know, you, it'll be like the swim. Oh, the lake's too cold. You know, I can't get my shoulders <laughs> going in the cold. The the cycle. Oh, we needed air on route because it was too hot and too hilly. Oh, right, okay. Um, or it's too windy or whatever. The run. Oh, oh, that that route was a difficult. We couldn't get going and stuff like that. Are you an athlete or not? You know, being funny, you know, you want to train all year round, just put some effort in. Here's me, 50-year-old, and I must admit, I moaned for about seven hours of that seven and a half hours. I was moaning for most of it. (laughs) The only time I didn't moan is when I was swimming because I couldn't breathe. But other than that, I was moaning all the way around. But it was was an epic event, and it was Mm. um, challenging, shall we say. Isn't that the whole point of it, It was a good one. Isn't the whole point of something like that that it's meant to hurt? It's not, you're not meant to go around it laughing and smiling away are you it's you're pushing yourself to the next level well and and not just getting round in a lot of cases competing you're looking for a time or you're looking to mm. you're looking to take it take it up a notch you're not that's not that's that yeah. part of that is going to be miserable you know <laughs> well yeah it was it was double miserable um but mm. It's two sides of the same coin. I'll say this regularly. Like it's two sides of the same coin. It was absolutely brilliant weekend. You know, the weather was freakishly good. You know, yeah. it was mm. hot. It was dry. Can't complain about that. That made it difficult because just couldn't get moving. You know, just had no yeah, energy. Right. So yeah, it's meant to be. It's meant to be challenging. But I think the, a lot of people who do these events, as as I get to know them, are actually not that competitive. You know, they're doing it. A lot of people myself was going you know well this is a big test to see mm. am i iron man ready you know can i can i push myself to the iron man thing so this for me was like a fun weekend so actually i was doing you know what you said 
what a lot of people wouldn't do. I was actually chatting on the way around and, you know, on the bike, I was having a chat with a guy who I've become good friends with now online. Um, I was chatting with people on the run, motivating other people on the run, you know, you know, help supporting each other. So we weren't racing. I can't mm. race anyway. Most people don't race on these kind of events. It is yeah. amazing. I mean, you consider that the first part of it is a swim in Lake Windermere and it was absolutely beautiful. You know, it was. I would have happily paid just to have the experience of swimming in Lake Windermere and then cycling on some of the best routes in the whole of the UK. Yeah, you know, awesome. doing that. Awesome. It was yeah. breathtaking. So, yeah, I'm now an epic man. But epic um, man. otherwise, yeah, I, I, I think that's why I went in for it. If it was just mm. half distance Ironman in Windermere, I'm like, oh, that doesn't interest me. But if you finish this, you become an epic man. Well, that's cool. Did, Did you I, get a trophy? Uh, no. I, I think you'd get sort of like a club like Captain Caveman used to have, you know, the big sort of epic man. You know, I, th- I think no? that would attract a lot more people to the sport. <laughs> I think he would. That yeah. Thor's hammer very, or something cool. like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. 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 Iron Man should have like a, a mask, an iron mask or something, and like a jetpack suit or something like that. Yeah. That would really yeah. it'd probably cost a lot more money. It's already expensive, yeah. Iron Man, as well. But I think the organisers epic, epic events. I think they should really consider it. It's a pretty good idea, Phil. Do you work yeah, in the creative sector by any chance? Yeah. I mean, like? I've got all sorts of ideas. All sorts. <laughs> Imagine everyone walking away with a big club. You know? <laughs> that would enter just to get a club at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no. And like maybe the. The little outfit that he like a caveman's out a hairy caveman's outfit. <laughs> Maybe you've got to do it in the caveman's outfit. That's what you've got to do. Epic man. Ah, there dressed, you go. Dressed as an hey, epic these man. These people. What's your definition of an <laughs> yeah. epic man? Whatever that is. It's a good point. It's a good point. We'd have to put a working party together, right? So let's visualise what epic looks like. Yeah. Take, but okay. it's got a club. It's got a club. Yeah, not the kind of club we were used to, guys. Um, oh, no. Do you remember Captain Caveman? I do. I do. I do. I, do. I, do. I love yeah. Cavey Wavy. He was amazing, wasn't he? As a kid yeah, growing up, he was like, Caveman. him and on Kung Fu were my favourite cartoon characters. Oh, yeah. On Penfold from Danger Yeah. Oh, yeah. I say. I say. <laughs> that was an... It was a sort of half... Imp- I see Penfold. No, he was Penfold. No, that was Danger Mouse. That was Danger Mouse. I don't know. Yeah, I know. Mouse, I say Penfold and then... Oh, Chief. That was. Do you reckon the rest of the podcast could just be me doing impressions? <laughs> yeah, if you want to lose listeners. <laughs> might, not last, might not last very long, but yeah, go for it. Yeah, go. So do, do Captain Caveman then. Captain Caveman and his epic club. All of it. Right, we're going to have to. Uh, I've done a social media campaign here and, and include epic events on this one because they, they should yeah. be paying you for this material. <laughs> Free creative. Free yeah. creative. Yeah, that's just a that's taster. Uh, we've invited uh, my, my, my good pal Bo, um, um, uh, Bo Stymier. Um, <laughs> hello, Bo. Did you say um, Steve Hammer again? Then? Say we... my surname again. <laughs> Stymier, isn't it? Come on, that was right. <laughs> Good. Just call me Steam Hammer. Yay! Steam Hammer. I prefer Steam Hammer because it's just so cool. It's very Thor esque. Bo, I mean, we know each other from the the sort of TV world. Bo's uh, CEO and well of of the 
Elite, which is a BAFTA and Oscar award-winning TV company. Um, anyone that knows uh, my octopus friend will will know one of uh, uh, off the off the off the fences big big hits. Uh, um, but he's recently bit written a book about finding authenticity and purpose in yourself, which is called Wake Up, Rise and Shine. Um, so it's a great read. We've both got it, and um, we're just chuffed that Bo's um, come along and, and wanted to be an honorary codmaster for this one episode whilst Dave's away. Indeed. It's nice to meet you, Bo. And if I enjoy it, he might never come back. I'll have my ways. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so we've, um, we've dropped Dave because of his big head, yeah. um, and we've brought <laughs> Bo in off the bench. This is like something from the Euros, isn't it? <laughs> very timely, very indeed, timely. Indeed. Yes. Well, it's, it's, a, it's yeah. a real pleasure to meet you, Bo. Uh, we, 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 we've been speaking over the last week about, you know, how do we want this to go? We've got our very own first guest, which sounds like we're getting quite serious about this podcast malarkey from three guys just sitting around having a bit of a chat and a laugh talking about weird and random stuff to actually having a guest, and not just any old guest, a guest who's actually pretty intelligent a bit unlike us <laughs> could, like I, could i have that in writing please <laughs> um legally i'm not too sure i'm allowed to do that <laughs> but yeah i mean since we've met i've actually changed my opinion of you i must admit some of the stuff that's come out of your mouth last week has been quite enlightening uh for different ways mm, so wow. um no genuinely it is um it is a pleasure to meet you um and i, I started to read your book and i start to read many books but I got past the first page, which is a huge compliment to you. So it's uh, that's good. But the, the content, especially as the font is very big. But it is, yeah. <laughs> it was like um, up to year seven size standard um, of size of letters, so I could follow it quite well. I had to use my finger to go across a little bit. And go, <laughs> and exactly. But, and if you uh, get two, if you get two boards, start coloring in the vowels. <laughs> oh, what a great idea! I get some wax crayons and eat them halfway through. Um, Bo, you, you started to just touch on something a little bit deep there, didn't you? About what fatherhood is. What, what does it? What does it mean to you? Well, it was. I think. I think a year ago, my firstborn, my son, turned ten, and I had this moment of, you know, I have this responsibility of, you know, I need to teach. I need to pass something on. You know, this sort of, you know, the rite of passage becoming a man and I think during these I think it was his birthday and it's also his father's day like what's the meaning of being a father and what is what's what do I pass on to him and that's sort of when I really kind of had my sort of my midlife crisis began it's like well, what does it mean being a man and also this sort of <clears throat> being in my 40s the way I was being brought up and what's the function of a man in society and mm. what does it all mean it's definitely, it's changing so rapid, you know. And right now, also right now being a middle-aged, Caucasian, middle-class man is pretty uncool. Mm. And like how do, mm. so which bit of me do you pass on? Which bits do you kind of mm. make sure get phased out very quickly because they're of no use anymore? And suddenly, <clears throat> I think that spurred the beginning of the book where I was like, well, what, what does it mean to be a man? And which bits of us? do we instill in, especially my boy, but also like my girl, who's two years younger than him, she's coming up the ranks as well. And sort of, mm. <clears throat> I dived into like, what, what does new, what's the new masculinity? Like, what is the function of being a man in the future? Because um, 
I mean, I'm going to go really deep now, but you know, we've been we've been in in a sort of patriotic system for the last I don't know, six thousand years, mm. where you know, men rule the roost. We bring home the bacon. We do the jobs. We do the hard labor. But some of the softer skills were always left to the women, and we very quickly realized, wait a minute, you know, the modern man can be just as soft and just as gentle and emotional and also, um, <clears throat> especially within that vulnerable space, there's a lot of strength, right? It's okay to be sad and it's okay to be not good at your job, um, but it's not really being taught to us, so we kind of have to make it up on the spot. Yeah. And that's when I thought... Well, let's 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 dig deeper. Like, how how do we how do we do this better? Because right now we, being a father, you hold a lot of responsibility because that's where change happens, right? We often talk about this idea of just you know consumption of of, of, of goods. You know, you you earn money, you 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 pay, you 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 go and buy whatever the latest phone is or what have you and we don't we don't our our minds i do sound new age here you know obviously the the devices you know it's commonly commonly known that devices you know and technology firms want to monetize our um our our time our 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 attention um and, and is it that we we just we just don't have enough t- we're not the system doesn't allow us enough time to think about these things the system is more concerned with making us buy you know this new brand of washing powder or you know or the latest iphone or what have you and we just we're bombarded with stuff notifications on our phone and you know stuff all the time that kind of doesn't give us that space to go well, actually, what is this all about? And what, what is my legacy? How will I, you know, how will I shape my my kids? So I've got two sides. One is sort of like the system is nasty, right? Um, mm. But we built the system, so I can't blame the system. So yeah. but I also think in, in civilization and the, the life cycle of civilizations and Rome and the 70s and the 80s, I think we are transitioning. And I think um, in order, as Andy said, in order to make a new way for the new, something has to give, something has to die. So I think we are in a death process. And that's why we can have these chats that we're having, because we are in the process of something leaving us, and we are about to identify the new one. And, you know, Amazon just wants to do business with us. But if you are only going to purchase goods that support your 150 in your community, so the thing, how you lean into the system and how it nourishes your environment will dictate what the new systems, the new models will look like. You know, so if they, if they want to yeah. be, if they want to support, if they want to be in your private time and want to do business there, well, they better start getting very good at delivering barbecues because that's all I'm going to be doing. And you know what? But that's where the new system and the new world can work together. The way I measure things now is not in distance. It's kind of time and moments. And, and that's, that's what it is. It's about moments now. A friend of mine, Dave, said this to me a while ago. You know, it's, we, we just, we're just wrapped up in clocks and times and timings and having to be at certain places. 
And I also read that, you know, going back over 100 years ago, you might have been lucky to have one timepiece in your house. So we didn't really have clocks. Now we're absolutely dominated by timepieces everywhere on laptops and watches and phones and countdowns and microwaves. Everything's got a clock in it. You get in a car, it's got a clock in it. Everything tells you where to be and when you have to be there, but it doesn't help you enjoy moments. And I think time is like the thief of enjoyment at times. So, so I'm measuring it in moments now. So, so Phil, if you're thinking, oh, I really don't want to go for a run, ignore the distance. Like, no, it's going to be five, six, seven, ten k, whatever. It isn't. It's a case of see that bloody big hill up there. It looks beautiful. I'm going to just enjoy the moment of ascending that and then coming down knowing that I've achieved something difficult. Whatever the time is, it doesn't matter. And running on feel is one of these, or perceived effort, is one of the things that I think is the real key to enjoying physical exercise, but not just even physical exercise, anything you do. You know, if you think, oh, I've got 100 emails to read. Brilliant. You know, it means you're interested, means you're popular. You know, it means you're needed. Just enjoy the moment, the fact that you're actually useful in life. Because that's been my biggest fear. I've said it before. Being useless is my biggest fear. So as long as I've got a purpose and those moments are enjoyable, then I think we're living life. That was a very long answer to a short question, King Kong. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. And I think it goes back to that being in the moment, doesn't it? And moments are about experiences. And moving on from the fact that we're accruing stuff and buying stuff and, you know, bigger houses and, and cars and things like that. It's coming out of that way of thinking and going, do you know what? I'm going to enjoy my time and the times that I've got specific to those particular moments. I think that's absolutely lovely, that. Love it. Absolutely love it, mate. Do we, do we actually recognise it and tell people enough how important they are? I'll I tell you why, little anecdote. When I was really, really bad, when I was really in the midst of uh, depression, I, a couple of mate, mates of mine, organised a, a night in the pub and 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 there was probably the five of us so five of that ten um and we just had a a natter. no no big thing there was not it wasn't a oh phil's in a bad way let's go and have a chat with him mm. uh, well you know not not to get him to bury soul or anything nothing like that we just had a we just talked to cod um and, and we just enjoyed it literally enjoyed the month of you mm. talk about memory moments and and i think it's bob on you know just going back for our shared moments uh, just chatting and and thinking about the moment you know and at the end so it was great it was just what you needed but at the end of the night one of one of the lads sort of we were flagging down a taxi you know one of the lads just grabbed me and said uh, i've never none we'd not this isn't our kind of relationship but he just grabbed me and said love you mate mm. and even saying that now I feel a bit teary just saying it because he just knew it was the right thing at the right time and, yeah. and I, I thought it's quite brave of blokes to say stuff mm. like that yeah it is and I, I, I don't know I don't know we give that appreciation enough I make a point to my cuts of the yeah. closest people I make a point yeah. of doing it I make an absolute mm. point of doing it Do right on the off chance That's that something great. happens, and these I'm not are things able to worth discussing, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. and it's what I lo- what I love about this podcast is that we're talking about things that we wouldn't talk openly about, 
And that's that's the feedback we're getting is that, yeah. you know, maybe after a couple of pints in a pub, you might start opening up and going, I love you. But I mean, actually, <laughs> it's not that I love you, mate. <laughs> no, <laughs> because well, you're yeah, leather. That... It is genuinely, I'm here for you. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and your question there, Phil, I, I don't think sometimes it's just words. I think actions are more important than yeah. words. I think it was just a little, you know, I have this thing with, with, with one or two friends is that I will just send an emoji which says, I care about you and I love you but I don't want to be like a bit soft about it and keep telling you messages that I love you yeah. just in case my wife picks my phone up. <laughs> <laughs> she already knows, mate. We're always keen to hear what these topics are that are in, of interest to you. And again, you know, if there's anything particularly you want us to, to talk about at Talking Cod, we will do that for you. Um, we did say at the beginning that, you know, this was never ever going to be about mental health, but pretty much every episode we do go into that area of mental health. It doesn't have to be. It could be anything fun. Um, so do let us know how it is, how it goes. Dave, Phil, you just set my heart racing when I see you. I love you guys, and you've really kind of made my day today. It's not been the easiest <laughs> of days this morning, I must admit. No. And, um, you know... You've set my life on fire again, so thank you very much. Nice one, likewise, as always. Nice one, boys. And, um, I know Dave's going to go go off and research the hum now. <laughs> Does anyone, any of the listeners suffer from the hum? If you do, drop us a line. Tell, it how it, tell us how it affects your life. <laughs> Email hum at talkingcod.co.uk mm. <laughs> Mm-hmm.